This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. You know, as we look and see what we're talking about here this morning, see what our title is, God with us. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26 says, but Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men, this is impossible. And, and we know that with human beings, there's a lot of things that are impossible. There's just some things in our own human strength we just can't do. And it says here, with men, this is impossible. But with God, what's that next word? All things. And what percentage would that all be? 100%. With God, all things are possible. God with us. It makes a difference. God with us makes everything okay. With God, all things are possible. With God. With God, all things, 100% of them are possible. With human beings, well, I can't, you know, and I can't get, you know, I, but with God, all things are possible. God with us. That's what I'm talking about. Psalms 16 verse 8 says, I know the Lord is always. Now, what percentage is this word always? I know the Lord is always with me. Now, see, I do know that, and that is true. But do you know personally, for you guys who are sitting here and you guys watching online, do you know? I'm not talking about, well, I just think so or I hope so. Do you know that the Lord is always, 100% of the time, he's always with you? Do you know that? That makes a difference when you know that. You know, when you know that, it makes a difference. There's a difference between just, well, I just hope so. And there's more doubt in that word hope. I just hope so. In that tone of voice, then I have hope, which is a confident expectation for the future. That's a biblical definition of hope. But listen to what it says again. Psalm 16, verse 8. I know the Lord is always with me. And when God is with us, it makes a difference. It changes everything. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken. Look, that word shaken up means I will not be surprised. I will not be stunned. I will not be dazed. I will not be traumatized. I will not be upset. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken. Now, there's a good bit of shaking going on in this world right now, don't you think? With this pandemic, this virus, and all the potential wars and all of the craziness that goes on in our political system and all. But it says, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. I know he's always with me. And I know, I know, I know, I know that. And I will not be shaken. The world's going to be shaken. It's going to be shaken. It is. He says, but I know 
The Lord's always with me, and I will not be shaken. Now, you remember Paul and Silas when they were thrown into prison for preaching the gospel, and what happened there? You know, that night, as they were singing, the earth started shaking. The prison started shaking. The chains started shaking and breaking. And the bars and the doors in prison started shaking and started breaking. And all the prisoners were set free. And then the jailer came in there and he knew if one prisoner escaped, you know, he was going to have to take their place. And if they were going to be executed, he was going to have to take their place. He drew his own sword and was getting ready to take his own life. And Paul said, hey, don't do that. We all here. He just experienced this terrible shaking, an earthquake. But the shaking that was striking fear in most people, for those who knew God was with them, that same shaking was setting them free. So what's going on around about us well, when you know the Lord is always with you, that's like, well, I know that he's going to work all things together for good. You know, if I, don't, I don't have any tattoos, but if I was going to get one, I, they would say that Romans 8, 28 strikes again. Romans 8, 28 says, and I know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called to his purpose. And here in Psalm 16, it says, I know the Lord is always with me and he works all things together for good for those who love him and according to his purpose. And I will not be shaken. Why? For he is right beside me. <laughs> What's the 23rd Psalm say? Yea, though I walk through the Valley of the shadow of death. I'm talking about going through death valley. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. God is with us. That's the deal changer right there because God is with us. I will not fear the evil when I'm going through death valley. I will fear no evil thing because God is with me. Let me pick up here in Psalm 16, verse 9. It says, No wonder my heart is glad. No wonder my heart is glad. No wonder. And I rejoice, and my body rests in safety. Why? Because I know the Lord's always with me, and I will not be shaken. Oh, the whole world's going to do some shaking. There's a whole lot of shaking going on and there's a whole lot more shaking that's going to go on. But those who know the Lord is always with them, they know that that's a reality in their life can say, I will not be shaken. I will not be shaken. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety. <laughs> and see, joy is really the best proof of having the presence of God with you because when you become aware, keenly aware that God is present with you, it produces a joy that just can't be shaken. It's just like imagine if almighty God was standing here beside you with his arm around you, would you be afraid of anything? He created the earth and he can recreate and he can fix 
and he can he is the almighty the most high the most powerful and if God's there with you if you know that he's right there with you there's nothing ever to be afraid of you know and even if there's a whole lot of shaking going on it's like hey if God ain't worried about it I ain't worried about it either and I found something out a long time ago God ain't worried about nothing anyhow let me continue on here in verse uh, 10. Psalm 16, 10, it says, For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. Let me read this to you out of the Message Bible. You canceled my ticket to hell. Do you know that all those who reject the Lord Jesus Christ... That's the only way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father in heaven except through me. If you reject Christ, well, if you reject Christ, and that is to reject heaven, there's only one alternative. And the scripture says right here, you know, for those who know the Lord is always with them, they're not going to be shaken. He says, you canceled my ticket to hell. That's not my Destination, And let me just put another word there to bring clarity to this. That's not my destination anymore. Because we've all were born into sin. And the wages of sin is death and eternal separation from God. But the gift of God through Jesus Christ is to pardon us and to forgive us and to write our name in the book of life, which is the book of heaven. That's what I'm talking about. And he says, you canceled my ticket to hell. That's not my destination. It's not my destination anymore. My destination is heaven. Anyhow, verse 11, it goes on to say, you will show me the way of life. You know, you've canceled my ticket to hell. That's not my destination. You showed me the way of life. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence. Because if you get the presence of God, you will have joy. If you have no joy, it's most probably you don't really have an awareness of the presence of God. Because when you know that God's there, it's like God's in control. He's got it. You know, he's got everything under control. He's going to work it all together for good. And he says it right here one more time, verse 11. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you, of living with you, God with us, you know, us with him, living with you. How long? Forever. And what percentage is that? That's 100% of time, you know, to live with him forever. Now think about it for a moment. What's the... What's, the, what's most important to you? The presence from God or the presence of God? Presence of God. Because the presence or gifts that come from God are limited on how many gifts we're experiencing at this moment. But when you got the gift giver, the gift maker, he's got it all. He's got it all. And he's going to take care of you all. Think about that. There's a, there's a song we used to sing. and went like something like this. <clears throat> it goes, in your presence, in your presence, 
There is peace in your presence, in your presence. There is joy. I will linger. I will stay in your presence day by day till your likeness may be seen in me. I'm going to stay in the presence of God until his likeness, like father, like daughter, like father, like son, but living in his presence to where people can tell. You've been hanging around with Jesus, haven't you? You know, you know people can tell where you come from lots of times by your accent. Is that true? Absolutely, you know. And uh, the more we spend time in the presence of God, it, it changes us, it transforms us. So his likeness may be seen in us. Let me see here. You know what this is right here? You know what this is here? That's a salt shaker. you. <laughs> that would be a pepper shaker. These were, when you see these sitting on the table, do you pretty much automatically know what they are? Yes. It's very common. This was made to put salt in. This was made to put pepper in, you know, salt and pepper shakers. You know, they were made to hold salt and pepper. I mean, it's just an obvious thing. And you are a container and God created you. The Bible says, you know, you are the temple of God. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, he wants to fill you with himself. You're a vessel to contain him on this whole earth. That's just the truth of it. You know, you think about that for a moment. We have a purpose. God had a purpose in mind when he made us. The way, same way these things, they had a purpose. When someone was making that thing, they had a purpose. Well, we're going to put salt in that thing. We're going to put pepper in that thing. And when God created you, his purpose was to fill us with himself. That's just the way it is. Listen to what it says here in Psalms 27, verse 4 in the Living Bible. The psalmist says, the one thing that I want from God. Now, the one thing, there's lots of things that people want. He says here, but the one thing I want from God, the thing I seek most of all is the privilege of meditating in his temple. Living in his presence, living in his presence, God with us, you know, with him, him with us, being in the presence of almighty God. The psalmist said, that's, that's, that's the most important thing to me. The one thing I want from God, the thing I seek most of all is the privilege of meditating in his temple, comma, living in his presence. Every other day of my life. 
Oh, yeah, it says, every day of my life. That's what I want, to live in the presence of Almighty God every day of my life. Delighting in his incomparable perfections and glory. That's what I want more than anything, is, is to God be with me. Because when he's with us, we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil because he's with us. When he's with us, even though there's a lot of shaking going on, it's not going to shake us. And God has prepared a fantastic, wonderful, awesome place in heaven. It's as real as if you had a loved one who moved to Alaska. You know, they're going to be okay there. It's a long ways away, but it's... Heaven is just as real or more real, to be honest with you. And the Bible says we're pilgrims and we're passing through. We're looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. Anyhow, let's look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. It says, and this is in the Amplified Bible, it says, Let your character or moral disposition be free from the love of money. Now, God didn't say not to have any money because in this world which we live, I reckon you got to have money to pay your bills and to buy groceries and to, to put gas in your tank or to even to own a tank and to put gas in. So he didn't say not to have money, but he says, let your character and moral disposition be free from what? The love of it. The love of money, including greed, avarice, uh, materialism, lust, and craving for earthly possessions. And then he goes on to say, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. God says, be satisfied with what you have. For he, talking about God himself, for he himself has said, and, and this is a, a rendering of the Greek word here. It's a powerful word, and as you see it unfolded and, and you unpack it, or what the Greek actually is saying, it, in the Amplified, the Amplified incorporates the Greek definitions into the verse. And he says here, be satisfied with your present circumstances and what you have, for he himself has said, and this is what God said, I will what? I will not in any way fail you. God says, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not. I mean, I think he's trying to get that point across. I will not, he said. In any way fail you or give you up or leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake nor let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. You got a hold of your child's hand as you're walking around the top of the mountain up there. I got a hold on you. You may not be able to hold on to me tight enough, but God is saying, I got a hold on you. I got a hold on you. And you know, little children can fall down, but it's just like you get a hold of them now. Maybe they can't hold as tight as you can. But, but this is 
phenomenal when God says, I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, or let uh, or, or relax my hand on you, assuredly not. Now, that's a, a passage that would be worth memorizing. It'd be a passage worth knowing. And the ones that we were already reading there in Psalms about, he says, you know, I know you're with me. And, and I am not, I'm not shaken. Those are some passages that we hide in our heart because there's a lot of things that have a tendency to shake us. But you know what? Living in a very close relationship with Almighty God changes everything. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 23 says, And I, I, a God, I am a God who is, am I a God who is only in one place? Question mark. Am, am, am I a God who is only in one place? That, that I, I've been made out of a, a piece of a log, real nice log, really nice wood, expensive wood. Am I a God who's been made a nice little statue of a piece of wood that you can control me? You can carry me under your arm from place to place. And if, if you're not having a good day with me, you can hide me in a closet and put a blanket over top of my head or something or Or maybe, uh, am I a God who's just in one place I've been made out of plaster or been made out of uh, special stones or uh, am I a God who's only in one place and I've, I've been shaped and formed out of a big old chunk of gold. Oh, that's valuable. But is that worthy to be a God? Let me ask you, how many of you have children? Now, did you take a piece of wood and carve your child out of that piece of wood? That's absurd to even ask you that question, is it not? But sometimes man thinks that he can carve God out of a piece of wood and he created us. Or, or, or we can mold God out of a piece of gold. You know, uh, the horrible thing of that is, you know, oh, if, if your God is a nice, beautiful, expensive statue, what if you drop it and break his arm off? Oh, no. Maybe got some super glue, we can put it back on. What if you, you drop your statue and it breaks his ear off or his head off? Oh, no. And, and that actually happened in the Bible. We'll talk about that at another time. But anyhow, what is God saying here? Am I a God who is only in one place? Asked the Lord. The answer to that question is no. He's not only in one place. Do they think I cannot see what they're doing? Are you familiar with the, the word omnipotent the, the 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 word omni you know omnipotent means all powerful now what percentage would all be 100% powerful omnipotent means that god is 100% powerful he's omnipresent and it, it means present everywhere everywhere is 100% of the places there is you can't find a place that god is not at that's just the truth of it. You know, omniscient. He is all-knowing, 100%. He knows everything. He created everything in the very first place. That's God that we're talking about, who 
wants to be with you, wants you to be with him. And when you're with him, whatever's going on in this world, it's shaking the whole rest of the world, but it don't have to shake you because you know that God's with you. He's right there beside you. Even if you go through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't have to fear it because God is with you. That's what he's talking about. Psalms 46, verse 8, it says, Attention! Yes, sir, attention. Pay attention. Do we ever lose people's attention? Yes. You ever talking to... Huh? You ever have a conversation? Excuse me. <laughs> Are y'all still here? Oh, I'm sorry. We can easily be distracted, can we not? And he says here, attention, all. Now, how many people is he talking to here? 100%. Attention, all. See the marvels of God. I don't know if you saw the sunrise this morning or not. It was awesome. It was awesome where Susan and I was at this morning. It was up on top of the mountain. It was covered with snow. And the wind was blowing and the sun was shining glory. It was, would you say that was marvelous? It was fantastic. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. Anyhow, it says, attention all. See the marvelous, see the marvels of God. He plants flowers and trees all over the earth. Did you know that? Do you like flowers? He plants them. He created them. He enabled them to have seeds. If, you know what? You think, oh, things die in there. You're just getting wet. It's dying. No, it's replanting itself. God's replanting them. So you'll see them come springtime. He says he plants the, he plants flowers and trees all over the earth. That's what he does. It, it, it's a marvel. Now, you probably may not think that snow is a marvel. But some people really do think it's a marvel. My wife, there's one thing that she wants more than anything else on her birthday. And her birthday, I said last night, was February the 5th. But that's not her birthday. That's my brother's birthday. Her birthday is February the 4th. She's one day older than my brother. But when we celebrate her birthday, there's one thing that she always wants. What is it? Snow. And often we have it right here, but if we don't, there's a place over close to People's Forest. There's a mountain that you can drive up on. It's a, it's a dirt road. And by the time you get to that mountain, I have rarely not found snow there in February. I can use it, even if it ain't down there around the, the river, up from the top of the mountain, I usually find snow. And if it don't, we drive north. We've always found snow on her birthday, you know, because she likes it. To her, snow is a marvel. Isn't that marvelous that God can turn the whole outdoors that can get up in the 90s in the summertime and he can turn it into a freezer? Boom, just like that. It's amazing. Now, you may not be all that fired up about snow, but you know that snow, and this is what I've read and scientists have proven out, every snowflake, the, the core of every snowflake is a little speck of dust. 
Microscopic, maybe, because there's some little snowflakes, but that little speck of dust attracts condensation and it freezes and it turns into a snowflake. So when the Bible says, wash me, talking about by the blood of Christ, and I will be whiter than snow. Because snow on a, a garbage dump or a junkyard, it makes it look beautiful. But he says, wash me in the blood of Christ and I'll become cleaner, whiter than snow. Because see, at the core of snow, every snowflake has a dirty heart. But when we let Christ come into our life, though we may not be perfect, he cleanses our heart. He gives us a new heart. You know, we don't have any longer a dirty heart. But anyhow, so to Susan, snow is marvelous. It's one of the marvels of Almighty God. And it says here, attention all, Psalms 46 eight. See the marvels of God. He plants flowers and trees all over the earth. And boy, aren't we glad about having flowers and trees everywhere? Oh, man. He bans war from pole to pole. He breaks all the weapons across his knee. And then it says, step out of the traffic. Exclamation mark. Would you like to step out of the traffic? Traffic really don't bother most of you, does it? I mean, you don't mind if there's another 10,000 cars gets ahead of you when you're on your way home from work. It don't bother you, does it? Ah, the more traffic, the better, right? Ah! You get in a lot of traffic, you're ready to pull your hair out, you know? What does he say here? He says, and he, he starts off with, attention, everybody. And down here he says, step out of the traffic. You know, pull over onto a, a lot lower pressure road, you know? Pull over where you got some peace. Step out of the traffic and take a... Long, loving look at me, your high God. What did he say do? Take what? No, a long, loving look at me, your high God. Above the kind of looks that you make toward politics. Do you take a long look at politics? If you're looking at the news, how many have caught up in the news and throughout the day you're watching the news and getting the news and you're finding out about the politics and the political stuff that's going on and, and it, it can become an obsession, can it? It surely can. But he said, step out of the traffic Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above the kind of look you take toward politics and above, what's it say? Everything. Now, what does this particular word everything mean? It's talking about 100%. He says, take a long, loving look at me, above what you would take the look at politics, above anything else that would get your attention that you're, you're dreaming about and you're saving up for and you're thinking about every moment of every day, you're meditating about that. He says, take a long, loving look at me. That's what God says. God with us. And, and you know, as we've already demonstrated, people can be in the same room with you, but you don't have their attention. And does God, does he have our attention? You know? Psalms 31, verse 19 says, your goodness is so great. Your goodness is so great. 
you have stored up great blessings for those who honor you. And you know the Bible says, honor your mother and your father. So you'll have a long life on this earth. And so things will go well with you. Did you know the Bible says, so things will go well with you. You honor your, your natural father and your mother. You, you, you do that. You honor them. My dad's been with the Lord over 20 years now. But I try to honor him still every day by the way I live my life. You know, but we're to honor our heavenly father as well. And he says here, your goodness is so great. You have stored up great blessings for those who honor you. If you're honoring almighty God, he has stored up great blessings for those who honor you. It says you have done so much for those who came to you for protection Blessing them before the watching world. Blessing. God blesses those who honor him. Even though other people are watching, looking on. There's, how come it happened for you? Are we honoring him? Hmm. Verse 20 says, you can hide. Can you hide from God? Not successfully. I mean, if you play hide and seek with God... God knows where you're hiding before you even decide where you're going to hide. He knows that. That's almost like cheating, ain't it? You know, but it's not because he knows you so well. You hide them in the shelter of your presence. We can hide in the presence of almighty God. His presence gives us joy. We talked a little bit about it last week, talking about our eyes wide open, looking for signs of the presence of God. We can hide in the shelter. Verse 20, you hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. You shelter them in your presence, far from accusing tongues. God hides us in his presence, shelters us, protects us in his very presence. And God is present. He is as, as he is as present with us as the air is. Even in this room and in this world we live right now, there's a lot of air that's contaminated, is it not? That's why we are wearing these masks, right? But God is more present than the air is. And you can always find something to breathe somewhere. And you can filter out the contaminants. But God's presence has no contamination with that. Listen to what it says here in Psalms 46 verse 1. It says, God is our refuge. That means he's our, our safe haven. He's our, he's our sanctuary. He is our safe harbor. God is our refuge and strength. That word strength, if you look it up, it means power. It means might. It means force. Now, have you ever heard people in this modern day say, may the force be with you? You ever heard that? It's based upon some movies we've seen. It's based upon some fictitious characters that we would like to be our heroes and we can imagine if they are, but they're not there to help you. You know that. It's just a movie. It's just a fictitious character. But I'm going to tell you, God is the almighty, the most high. All strength is his. He has the force. He is that miraculous 
strength and power, the almighty God. And it says here, God is our refuge and our strength. Hmm. Always. What percentage is this word always? God is our refuge and our strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. He's always ready to help us in our times of trouble. He didn't say you ain't going to have times of trouble, but they're not going to shake you. And he's always going to help us in our times of trouble. The King James Bible says a very present help in trouble. A present help. Not that you got to, well, uh, I'm going to register to get God's attention. You know, he is a present help in trouble. God with us. He's always there. He's crazy about you. The NIV says an ever present help in trouble. God has the power and the authority to help us out of any trouble, anytime, anywhere. And we ought to act like that's true. Yeah, there's difficulties in this life. There's trouble we go through. But he says, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world and I'm with you. It's what he tells us. That's what he tells us. Now, the presence of God, it is a fact in life. You know, is the presence of God a fact in your life? Think about it. Are, are, are you conscious? Are you keenly aware that God is present with you? It, 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 is it a reality? Is it the presence of God, is it a genuine fact? Or is it, well, I want it to be, but it's not really. But you got to spend time with him, you see. Become keenly aware of him and, and, and get to know him better and, and what he says and what he does. Are you, in life, are you self-conscious? Are you a very self-conscious person? Are you a God-conscious person? When we're only conscious of self, we have great limitations. But when you are God-conscious, he has no limitations at all. You know what I'm saying? That was Paul and Silas. They were God conscious. They were conscious that God was with them in that dungeon. And at 12 o'clock after they had been beaten that day and put in stocks, they were singing and they were conscious of God at 12 o'clock at night. So much it says that the prisoners all woke up and was listening to Paul and Silas sing. And that's when the shaking took place. And the shaking made the breaking of chains and all those kinds of things. I'm going to read this passage to you just one more time just because it's so powerful. It's in Psalms 23. Verse 4, you can quote it, but let me just read it. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear what? No evil. I will fear no evil. For you are with me. You walk by my side. Your rod and your staff, it it, it comforts. That means it, it makes me feel secure. Is your version of Christianity Is it religious rules or is it relationship? Our our Christianity is based upon a relationship with the son of almighty God being in his presence. He says in Acts chapter 17, he says, he is the God who made the world and everything. 
100%. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. He wants to live in you. Verse 25 says, and human hands can't serve his needs because he, God, has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, 100%. And he satisfies every need, 100%. Every need, he satisfies every need that there is. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. And he decided before and which should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose in all of this was that the nations should seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Hmm. Let me tell you, water is not far from any fish that's living. Water is not far from it. it, Would you agree with that? It might be salt water, the oceans, or it might be fresh water in the lakes and streams and rivers, you know. But water is not far from the fish. And air isn't far from the birds, the eagles and the hawks and, and all those birds. Air is not far from them. And it says here, you know, uh, in verse 27, the last uh, sentence there says, he is not far from any one of us. God is not far from any one of us. Verse 28 says, in him, in a relationship with him, Jesus, we live and move and exist. And without him, we couldn't live or, or move or exist. And, and the day comes when we, we don't pass away when you love Christ, we pass through into his very presence. And he is there to welcome us into his presence where we will spend eternity. And in our relationship with him here on this old planet and in heaven, in him we live and, and we move and, and we exist, the scripture says. Like fish could not exist without water. And we can't exist without Christ, you know. For in him we live and move and exist. As one of your own poets says, we are his offspring. God created us. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. As we already said, our children aren't made out of gold or silver or stone, you know. Now, we can turn off the sense of God's presence by unrepented sin. But anytime we go to God, no matter what it is that we've done, where we may have sinned or disobeyed or fallen short of God's expectation, he says in 1 John 1, 9, he says, if we confess our sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. He wants to forgive us. He wants to cleanse us. He wants us in right relationship with him. He is not mad at any one of us. That's just the truth of it, you know? And uh, there is nowhere that you can go where you can't find God, you know. Anywhere you go, he is there. Uh, God was up on the mountain this morning, even in the snow and the cold wind. God is in my basement. He's in, in my garage. He's in my car. God is with me when I'm carrying the garbage out. Did you know that? You cannot find a place in all of this creation where God is not at. 
He wants to be with you. And no matter what kind of shaking is going on, he wants to be with you. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says, Now, turn from your sins and turn to God. That, that is repentance. When you turn around, you turn from the dark to the light. You turn from our sin and we turn to God. That's repentance. And that's what he's saying for us to do in Acts 3.19. Now, turn from your sin and turn to God so you can be cleansed of your sins. Then, once he forgives us of our then wonderful times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will send Jesus, your Messiah, to you. But wonderful times of refreshing come from him when we turn toward him, God with us. Did you know what, what the word Emmanuel means? When Jesus was born into this old world, it says Emmanuel, it means God with us. He wanted to make that statement extremely clear to us all. Now, how long has electricity been on this earth? Forever? You're pretty smart. There's some people who think, well, electricity's only been here for a little while. No, it's always been here. But there was a guy out flying a kite one night in a storm, and he had a little door key hanging on the string there, and electricity... You know, lightning hit his kite and zapped him. Did, did he invent electricity that day? He just became aware of it. Now, how long has God existed? Forever. But there's some people who don't even know he exists now. They're not even aware of his presence even now. But he has always existed, but we're just discovering him maybe even now, James chapter 4 verse 6 says, He gives us more and more strength to stand against such evil desires. And as the scriptures say, God sets himself against the proud. Now, imagine this. God sets himself. When we're prideful, we think, well, I did it all myself. I'm a self-made man. I'm a self-made woman. I did it. I'm just great. That's all there is to it. I'm just wonderful. The Bible says God Resist the proud. He's got his hands out. Now, what would happen if the water in the oceans and the rivers was to resist the fish? Get out of me. I don't want near you. Here, I'm going to throw you up on the shore. I don't want you here. What would happen if the water resisted the fish? The fish cannot live without water, can they? What would happen if all the air said, hey, eagles, birds, and, and sending tornadoes and hurricanes and, and stuff. Get out of me. Get out of the air. I'm going to cast you down to the ground there. That would not be a good thing. But the Bible says when we're prideful, God himself, in him we live and move and we exist in him. But if, if we are prideful, we're full of pride, God himself resists us. Well, how come things aren't going any better? Pride can greatly hinder us. He says right here in James 4, 6, he gives me more and more strength to stand against the evil desires. As the scripture says, God sets himself against the proud and he shows favor to the humble. When those are humble, they humble themselves and they acknowledge almighty God. God just gives them more grace. 
More grace. G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E is God's enabling power. He gives more and more grace to those who are walking in humility. You know. Listen to what it says here in, in verse 7. In James 4, 7, it says, Humble yourselves before God and resist the devil. What happens when you resist the devil? He will flee. Because if you resist him, the only way you can resist the temptations of the devil is if Christ is in you. And when you resist him, he will flee away from you. He goes on here to say, draw close to God. Verse 8, and God will draw close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you hypocrites. And then he says here, let there be tears for the wrong things we've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. For the times we've disobeyed God and we've, we've let him down. I'm, I'm really sorry, oh God, that I've done things that displeased you. It breaks my heart. But I need your strength. More love, more power, more of you in my life. More love. More power, more of you in my life. I can't do it alone, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then it says in verse 10, when you bow down before the Lord and admit your, what's that word? When you bow down before the Lord and admit your dependence. I can't do it on my own. When you bow down before the Lord and admit your dependence on him, he will lift you up and give you honor. That's what he says. That's what he says. Let me see here. Now, question. How full is that cup of milk? Pretty full. full. How much room is in that cup of milk for more milk? Not much, you think. Can you see that? That's a rock. There are more rocks in here. And right before you came, I took this one out too. How much more room is there now for more milk? How much room is for milk now? A lot. More love, more power. 
power, more of you in my life. And I will worship you with all of my heart and all of my mind and all of my strength. You want more of God in your life? And you might look very obvious. You may look like you're just full of God. But you might not be as full of God as it appears to be. Because there might be things in your life that need to be taken out. And only you might know that. There's some things in your life that needs to be taken out. So there's more room in your life for God. Does that make sense? You think there might be something in us that we probably, we could make room, more room for God if we wanted to. Is that possible? We can make room for him. And you know what? You just keep digging around in there and digging around in there. You know what? Somebody spilt milk all over my notebook. Can you believe that? Just got to clean that up. If you want more of God in your life, well, then maybe we just need to take some things out. What are those things in your life right now? You don't have to tell me what they are, but tell God. Oh, God, I just can't get rid of this. I, I've tried to. I just can't get rid of this from my life. But, Lord, I know that you can do all things. You can do anything. You can do everything. You're, you're, you're all-knowing and you're, you're, you're ever-present and you're all-powerful. And you can do anything. And he can help you and will help you right now. Set you free so you can have more of him in your life. If you want more of him. If you want more of him, you know, lots of times there are some people, they just look like they're just full of God. There's not any more room because they're just so full of God. But maybe they are not as full of God as you think they are. There's more room if we'll make it for him. And there are some things that are just of lesser worth. That's what the scripture tells us, what the apostle Paul said. He said, I consider everything else in my life as garbage. I'm willing to get rid of it that I might have more of Christ in my life. And to have a close relationship with him and to have the peace that he wants me to have. I just want more of you. More love more power, more of you in my life. And he's available to us and he loves you and God's crazy about you. And he wants to be with you and to walk with you every day of your life. And then one day he wants to walk with you throughout eternity in a place called heaven that he's created for us. More love, more power, more of you I want. Oh, God, in my life. Would you bow your heads with me? And Susan, would you come up here and join me for a moment? But as our heads are bowed right now, I would just ask if you would reaffirm your faith in Christ. No matter what kind of struggles you've been through, acknowledge your dependence on Almighty God today. So if you know him, would you reaffirm your faith in him? And maybe you've drifted a little bit away from God. Or maybe you've never really known him in a close way. You might have had a bunch of religious rules, but you've never had the relationship that 
you're hearing us talk about today. So I'd like you to reaffirm your faith in Christ or maybe declare your faith in him for the very first time as we pray today. And not just those who are here, but those who are watching us online, hearing us on some kind of a blog. I don't know if it's blog, what's those things called there? Podcasts and all those things that we do. If you're listening, now's the time. Reaffirm your faith in Christ. Even when all this shaking is going on, would you pray with me right now? Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. And that's why you sent your son Jesus. And that's why you sent your son Jesus. And I believe that Jesus died for me. And I believe that Jesus died for me. He shed his blood. He shed his blood. To wash my sins away. To wash my sins away. I believe in three days. I believe in three days. That Jesus rose from the dead. That Jesus rose from the dead. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door right now. And I open wide that door right now. And I welcome Jesus. And I welcome Jesus. Into my life. Into my life. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. And as my king. And as my king. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. I receive your pardon now. I receive your pardon now. I want more of your love. I want more of your love. More of your power. More of your power. I want more of you. I want more of you. In my life. In my life. Help me, almighty God. Help me, almighty God. Take the things that are in me. Take the things that are in that me. should no longer be there. That should no longer be there. Help take them out. Help take them out. So there's more room for you. So there's more room for you. I ask in Jesus' name. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.